Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash baldhead Bible. And there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. I think it must have been a punch in the gut. A feeling that your legs have been completely knocked out from under you. A broken heart. It must have been terrible for Joseph when he found out. Joseph, I'm pregnant. What? Who? When? What? I thought you loved me. Why would you go and do this? This can't be true. I I can imagine the anger swelling up inside of Joseph, the anger and the hurt. This was Mary, the girl his parents had arranged for him to marry. This was Mary, the girl he also was lucky enough to actually love and adore. This was Mary. Again, I wonder what Joseph must have felt. The absolute devastation when he found out that she was pregnant. See, the way Jewish marriage customs went in that day went like this. Mary and Joseph's parents would have agreed on a marriage between Joseph and Mary, and they would have worked out all the contractual obligations, the dowry, what Mary's parents would expect to be paid for the right to marry Mary, what Joseph's parents were willing to pay, and so on. And then they would have worked it all out, the parents would have shaken hands, agreed, and that was it. Done. They would have had, at that point, a betrothal ceremony. The marriage was done. Mary and Joseph were now considered legally married. Yes. Really romantic, huh? Anyway, now a waiting period would occur. But the Bible calls a betrothal period. It could be a year or, or a year and a half, and Mary would have lived in her house and with her family, and Joseph would have lived in his house and with his family for, again, about a year or maybe a year and a half. And during that year, if at the end of it, Mary was still shown to be a virgin, there was no sign of a baby arriving, she was still a virgin, then Joseph would have led a parade of family and other men to Mary's house, picked her up, and brought her back to his house, and then they would be husband and wife, and they would then consummate the marriage and start their family. Joseph would also spend that year or year and a half making his bridal chamber, the place where he and Mary would then be living. The bride never exactly knew when the groom would be returning. 
It would have been a surprise to her. It would have been announced with a trumpet blast, but otherwise it would be totally unknown to the bride. The bride would have been expecting her groom to come to pick her up and take her home, but she never knew when. And after the groom brought the bride home, a week-long wedding feast would then take place. And this is where the exchange of rings and feasting and merriment and celebration would all take place, right? And later on, Jesus, right, would, would attend one of these wedding feasts and perform the famous miracle of turning the water into wine. And isn't it interesting how this whole marriage ceremony symbolizes Jesus's love for the church? If you're a believer, you're a member of the church, you're the bride, and you're waiting for your groom, Jesus, to come and pick you up and take you home. And remember, he says he's preparing a place for you. He's preparing a bridal chamber. He's preparing a home for us. And we know he's going to return, but we don't know when. We don't know exactly when. Man, there's so many cool ways that the wedding ceremony symbolizes Jesus' love and coming return for his bride? Well, in our story, for Joseph and Mary, the betrothal period had probably just started when Joseph found out that Mary, his beloved Mary, was pregnant. I wonder how she told him. You know, it must have been terribly frightening for a young girl. She probably was around... 14, 15, some people think 16, 17. Either way, she would have been a teenager, and it must have been terribly frightening for a young girl like that to tell her husband-to-be that she was pregnant. But even then, it must have been really hard to tell him when she shared the biggest news of all. The father of her baby was God himself. I can imagine they were on a walk surrounded by family and friends. I mean, you probably had to have a chaperone back then everywhere you went if you were Joseph and Mary to make sure nothing happened, you know. But I wonder if at some point Mary asked to speak to Joseph alone, a little far off, out of earshot. Hey, Joseph, Joseph, come over here. I need to talk to you. Joseph, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm pregnant. I can imagine when Joseph heard that, his eyes started to well up with tears and tears of shock and sadness. What? Who? How? What? Who's the father? Mary, I could have you stoned for this. No, 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 no. It's not what you think, replies Mary. I'm pregnant with the Messiah. The Father is God himself. I've not slept with any man. This baby is from God. I wonder if Joseph stepped back a little, looked at Mary, and then began to laugh, and, and then began to cry. Not only was beautiful, wonderful Mary a girl who liked to cheat on her husband during the patrol, probably what Joseph's thinking, she was also a liar and possibly crazy. This baby, I can imagine Joseph saying, this baby from God, you're pregnant from God? Yes, I'm still a virgin. I've not slept with any man. What a story Mary had to tell. 
What a story Mary had to try to explain to her sweet Joseph. And she told him, hoping and praying Joseph believed her, because if he didn't believe her, he could, as he said, have Mary put to death. See, earlier, Mary had been visited by the angel Gabriel. I mean, I think this would have been frightening in and of itself, because any time a human in the Bible encounters an angel, they always want to die for some reason. It is that frightening when an angel reveals himself to humans. Well, Gabriel said hi and appeared to Mary, and, and, and now it seems like this would have been a physical manifestation of some kind. I don't know if, you know, did he just appear in her room? Or did he talk to her while she was out working in the field or washing clothes or doing some type of labor? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. All I know is that Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her that she is going to conceive and bear a child. And after the shock of it all wears off, Mary's response is, How? I've never been with a man. I cannot give birth. To which Gabriel then announces that one of the greatest miracles of all time was about to take place. It says in Luke that the angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Luke 1 verse 35. What an announcement! What a miracle! He then reassured her by pointing to the wonder of her older cousin Elizabeth, who had become pregnant in her old age, way past the time when she should have been able to get pregnant. She was old enough, and her ability to have children should have ceased. She was that old, but the miracle occurred just as God had predicted through her husband Zachariah, right? And here she was, pregnant. I mean, this was a miracle, right? Elizabeth being pregnant at her age? That, God says, that, Gabriel says, is something that you need to consider, Mary, but to, to say that this miracle, this, this miracle that's about to occur to you is true. Luke 1, verses 36 through 7. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. And then verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Gabriel uses those exact words. For nothing will be impossible with God. Man, if those words don't sum up what the Christian life is all about, I don't know what words could. For nothing will be impossible with God. God has used this phrase before in the Bible and as it relates even to the birth of children. Remember Genesis chapter 18 when the Lord came to announce that Sarah, Abraham's wife, was going to give birth to Isaac in a year? To which Sarah famously laughs and at the thought of this occurring she says it can't be. Can I really have a baby when I am old? And then it says in Genesis 18 verse 14, the angel responds, Is anything impossible for the Lord? There is something about birth and babies where God likes to do the impossible. You know, if you've ever been part of a baby being born, you know what a miracle any birth is. 
The fact that we can create human life is an amazing fact, responsibility, and a joyous occasion. Birth is an amazing, wonderful thing. But, but these births, Sarah's and Mary's, were miraculous. Sarah, because she gave birth in her 90s, but Mary's was even more miraculous. This was the virgin birth. The Father was God, and the Son born of Mary would become the Savior of the world, Jesus. In response to this, Mary says, See, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you have said. Luke 1, verse 38. And so Mary becomes pregnant, even though she had never slept with a man. And for the next nine months, she carried the Messiah, the Son of God. Well, first she had to tell Joseph. And she did. The Bible doesn't record how that conversation went, but we do know Joseph's response. He didn't believe her. I can imagine he walked away from his conversation with Mary, as I said earlier, heartbroken confused, angry. He had just gotten betrothed, legally married to Mary, and now she tells him this? But he's confused because he also knows Mary. He knew she does not lie. He, he knew she was a good woman who followed Yahweh righteously and was true to her faith. He knew she would not have slept around and gotten pregnant willingly. And maybe that was what this was. Maybe some guy forced himself on her and this whole virgin birth thing was a way for her to deal mentally with that terrible tragedy. Maybe that is what this is. Some type of coping mechanism for poor Mary. I don't know exactly what Joseph thought, but I do know he loved her, and he did not want to see harm come to Mary. Now, why do I know that? Well, because the Bible says Joseph decided to put her away privily. At least that's what my King James Version of the Bible says, and I've always liked saying, put her away privily. But ultimately, what Joseph chose to do in our modern English was this. He decided to divorce her quietly, to end the marriage quietly. He didn't want to drag Mary before the city fathers at the city gates and proclaim Mary to have broken her marriage vows, slept with a man, and now he wants everyone in the town to know what a terrible person Mary was for breaking her vows of celibacy. She was no longer a virgin, and the whole town needed to hear and then the city fathers would have decided whether to stone her to death, the legal penalty for a woman and a man caught in adultery. But he did not demand any of this. You know, and I wonder why. I think it's because he loved Mary. I think it's because he knew Mary's heart and maybe believed the whole virgin birth story, sort of, or... Maybe he thought Mary, like I said, was just trying to cope with the results of some terrible situation that resulted in her getting pregnant from another man. Either way, I think Joseph left Mary heartbroken and angry and went home to decide what to do. And that is when he came up with the plan to divorce her quietly, to not make of her a public spectacle. 
Now, the Bible says Joseph decided to take this course of action. Why? Because, the Bible says, he was a righteous man. Other translations say Joseph was a just man or, or a man faithful to the law. What this is essentially saying is that Joseph was a man who knew his Bible and he wanted to be faithful to Scripture. He was a righteous man. He wanted to be faithful to the law. But the Bible says he had that, right? He wanted to be faithful to the law. But the Bible says he also did not want to publicly disgrace her. According to the law, he had the right to take her before the town fathers and openly divorce her. Or he could stick with the marriage and take Mary to be his wife and say the baby's his and he could do it that way, you know? The problem with that last approach is that he's not being faithful to the law. He would not have been a righteous man. And the third option would have been to divorce her quietly in front of two witnesses. And so, after much soul-searching, he decided to go with that third option. So he went to sleep that night, probably still debating what to do, and probably thinking who he knew that could act as those two witnesses, who could keep it quiet, who'd be willing to help him with this. And Joseph went to bed that night, I imagine broken-hearted, angry, and incredibly depressed. And then it happened. <laughs> another angel. Another announcement. Now, it could have been Gabriel. The Bible doesn't say. But I like to think that Gabriel is the angel who announces baby arrivals. But it could have been another angel. All I know is that this angel did not show up physically, but appeared in Joseph's dream. Now, I've had dreams, and I've had some weird dreams. I've also had some pretty vivid dreams, ones that have woken me up because they were so vivid. But this dream for Joseph, this dream was different. This dream contained a message from God specifically to Joseph, and it contained a messenger from God talking directly to Joseph. This angel, this messenger from God, told Joseph directly not to put her away privily, not to divorce Mary, but instead to take her as his wife. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins, Matthew 1, verses 20 through 21. Wow! What a dream! What an announcement! What joy! Joseph found out his beautiful Mary was not a liar, not a moral failure, but instead she was telling the truth. She was pregnant and the father was God. Now, it's interesting. The angel says what is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. And earlier, Gabriel tells Mary that the Most High God and the Holy Spirit will come upon her, and the baby born from that will be Jesus. Now remember, the Trinity, right, is made up of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I find it interesting that both the Father and the Holy Spirit are involved with the conception of the God-man Jesus. Now, if you want to blow your mind, think about this. 
God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have existed for all time. They have no beginning or end. They are God, King of kings and Lord of lords. But then the Father and the Spirit then work together to produce Jesus, the Son of God, made flesh. John 1 talks of this miracle when it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God at the beginning. That Word is Jesus, right? All things were created through him. In him was life, and the life, the light of men. You know, Jesus was from the beginning. He's the Word. That's what it says, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. But then it says in John 1, 14, The Word then became flesh. And dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Man, this was an amazing condescension, right? That the Son, the eternal Son of God, would be willing to become a human so that he could then die for humanity? Well, Joseph was told that Mary is telling the truth, and that he should marry Mary. Because this was the baby that would grow up to be the Messiah. Matthew then shows that this was the baby that fulfilled the prophecy in Isaiah 7, verse 14. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Matthew 1, verse 23. Now, maybe Joseph knew about this prophecy, being a righteous man, or or maybe that prophecy was not made clear until Jesus taught his disciples that his birth was the fulfillment of that passage. I don't know. All I do know is that Joseph, Joseph finds out that this baby inside Mary fulfills a prophecy from the book of Isaiah hundreds of years before and is the promised Messiah. All I do know is that because of all that, Joseph wakes up a changed man. He had a son. And his son was the Messiah. And now Joseph had to marry Mary. And he had to marry her right away. He he couldn't wait the year of betrothal. He couldn't even wait until the bridal chamber had been completed. He had to marry Mary now. And so he went, I can imagine, and told his dad, who was probably shocked and maybe a little appalled that Joseph was jumping the gun here. And I wonder if Joseph's parents began to wonder, is Joseph marrying Mary now because he's trying to cover up something? But then I think Joseph then tried to explain to his parents what happened and that his son was to be the Messiah and that Mary was still a virgin and this baby was from God. I can imagine he's talking to his parents and Mary's parents. Or did Joseph, did Joseph just keep it all quiet, not wanting to spread the news around? Maybe he just took the rumors that would have begun to swirl around him and Mary and just took them in a stride. I don't know. All I know is that Joseph was a great man. We can learn a lot from the life of Joseph. Number one, I think we can learn that he loved Mary. I think that was obvious from the story and how he treated Mary. And and I think men, we should love our wives. And those who don't have a wife yet, and women who don't have a husband yet, I'd encourage you, don't marry for less. I hope someday you marry the person you love, just like Joseph loved Mary. 
Number two, the other thing I think we can learn from Joseph is that he knew his Bible. He was a righteous man, remember? He knew what Scripture taught. He studied his Bible, or at least went to a synagogue on a regular basis where he was taught by a rabbi. And, man, I'd encourage you, lead your family by going to church, by studying the Bible. Your wife should not be the one leading the charge spiritually in this area. You should be setting the example. We can learn from Joseph here. Number three, I think it's interesting. He didn't demand his rights, but instead put his wife's needs above his own. He had the right to demand her public disgrace. He had the right to save his good name and make it clear that this was not his fault. He had rights, but instead he put his wife's needs above his own and decided to privately divorce her, to not make her a spectacle. There are lots of areas where men, we could demand our rights from our wife, but instead we need to think of their needs first. And then finally, I think probably the most important thing we can learn from the story of Joseph is this. He chose the hard road because it was God's command. The Bible says in Matthew 1, verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her. You know, he didn't hem and haw and decide what he wanted to do. No, he woke up the next day and married her despite all the social implications, despite the hard task of talking to his parents and Mary's parents, despite all the rumors and people talking behind his back, despite all the social stigma and the frowning of society upon him, Joseph decided to take the hard road and to do as the Lord commanded and to marry Mary. And this was not an easy thing for Joseph to do. He was breaking many established marriage customs by marrying Mary this soon, but he did it because the Lord commanded it. And I want to encourage us. There will be times, maybe, when you will have to decide to take that hard road, to obey the Bible, to obey the commands of Scripture rather than the commands of men. And, and when you are faced with that choice, do I please society? Do I please those around me? Or do I do what I know the Bible says to be true? Do I hold to the commands and the laws and the truths that I find in Scripture? Which do I choose? Well, I hope you remember Joseph. And I hope you remember his story and that he was a man who chose to marry Mary as the Lord commanded. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.